Bear Grylls or Ray Mears? <laughs> oh, right. Okay. It's definitely Ray Mears um, because Ray Mears is, is knowledgeable and he comes from a, a source of knowledge. He isn't sensational with what he does. He's very factual. You know, he's very, very sort of humble with what he does. He's a very good cook. Yeah. Okay. Always go. For, always go for the guy that can. You know, eat in the in the woods. Yeah. Don't go yeah. for the guy that jumps off a cliff. Jumps <laughs> off a cliff into water. Yeah. No. Let, let's let's stay safe. Okay. So so it's definitely Ray Mears for me. Hello and welcome to Ash Winter and Friends, the podcast dedicated to reducing the stigma of mental ill health and promoting good well-being. This podcast is brought to you in association with Over There Clothing, the UK-based Armed Forces veteran-ranked company, making you look as ally as you can, whilst also supporting Armed Forces and Blue Light charities. Check them out on Instagram at Over There Clothing. My aim for this podcast is to share some pretty awesome stories by some pretty awesome individuals, whilst also helping to promote good physical and mental well-being and of course to help keep you sane during yet another national lockdown. So, get yourself a brew, settle down, and listen in. Right, we're on. Uh, thank you for having me. No, uh, no problem just... at all, Kirk. It's, um, it's been a while since, uh, I think it was last April I saw you at the, the Soldier and Honor Awards. I think that was the last time. It was, it's been a while. And, and, and it, was, it was really interesting that, because I, I just, I'd just completed the Forces Media Academy uh, with the FBS. And yes. we were there for a, an award for training. And uh, I don't know whether you know, but I did a, a game show on Channel 4 called Haunted about four years ago. Certainly and, two, and two of the Hunter Force... Um, we're down there. So, so Ben Owen, who was on the Hunter Force and his partner, uh, they were there and I was sitting there at, one, at our table, you know, black tie and, and all that stuff, looking across going, they're the ones that caught me. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. It was like a really nice reunion. And actually, there's a photograph of the four of us. You, you, yes, there me is, yeah. and, 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 and the two hunters from, from Hunted. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, well, yeah. I um, it, I actually blame you for, for the introduction to, to Ben. Um and the hangover that that pursued from that <laughs> night. Yeah, it was a good night, but it was all for a good cause, wasn't it? Yeah. And oh, the network, you know, one of the, these these events, like the like the Soldier on Awards, and, and um, the, these are like sort of pivotal moments where the veterans community get together and champion life after service. You know, you meet so many people that are getting on, and you meet people that have moved on to film film and TV. You meet people going to the charity sector, businesses. Uh, there's the great organisation X Forces that are looking after self-employed um, veterans, you know, helping them develop their businesses. So it's all out there, and it's all like the veterans community looking after one another. And again, that's what you're doing here with with, the, with this podcast. Well, certainly, yeah, it's um, it's quite a close-knit community as well, isn't it? And you know, <laughs> it's as if it's as if we we've seen each other two days ago even though it's it's probably nearing on two years you know yeah it's just the way it is and and even even for the people that have never met but have just listened to podcasts or or seen um each other on social media it's it it is it is that network and it's brilliant i find that it really helps certainly with my mental health and well-being that you can speak to people that that can relate to you um but right let's talk about the elephant in the room 
Um, yeah. I'm looking at you on Zoom, and you're in a nice um, camouflage pajama suit. What's all that about? <laughs> yes, I'm back in uniform, mate. Yeah, so after being out for ten years, I left in 2010. Um, my regiment had a quite a tough time in Afghanistan, and we lost twelve guys, and about six of them were close friends of mine. And I buried, um, well, I did, did the funeral service for six or seven of them on my way out of service. And, you know, I, I, I bounced straight back into the private security environment back in the Middle East, uh, straight off the back of that. And one thing that I took with me was I didn't have closure from my military service. Mm. Um, and uh, I bounced straight back from a khaki, you know, camouflage uniform into a khaki uniform and basically carried on being a soldier. Um, uh, and obviously a long journey has happened since then. Um, we've just come through the COVID crisis um, and, and I've been a civilian for 10 years, recently working in film and TV. So I've just, just spent a stint working for Netflix um, on uh, a show called Bridgerton, which is the period no drama everyone's raving on about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 1917 before that, I was, I was working on that one. Uh, but the film and TV industry and, and, and the theatre industry as well have all just gone through a major crisis because it all halted everything, all of the work stopped. And I sat there sort of in March last year thinking, you know, we're in for a, a bad, we're in for a bad time here. What, what, what can I do as an individual to sort of keep my, my, myself afloat? And um, I, I relocated from London back to East Anglia and I got on the job search site and I landed a job as a survival instructor back with the military. Uh, and I wear, I wear the uniform, but I'm actually, you know, a civilian. Uh, and I give sort of like my advice and training back to the military, which is... Um, I find really rewarding, you know, and I'm very lucky to have decided to change back, you know, flick back to a previous career at this time. And, and I think it's my own personal adaptation that's, that's got me through it. Because I think now, you know, a year of furlough with the potential of not having a job, I would be in a bad place now if I hadn't made that change. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it speaks speaks volumes the military and, and the way they've got these civilian jobs that you can go back into and, and dip in and out of military service without actually being being military it's um it's brilliant i i did a, a full-time reserve service job when i first left the military and, and very similar to you although i was i was behind a desk not um going out in the cold and the wet and and all that so how, how are you how are you coping with the you know the the great outdoors Oh, it's great. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. You know, a part, a part of the background, you know, you, you look back. One thing I've always looked at with, with career is, is and, and, and again, if you get, you, you find, I found when I left the military, you go through that, you know, resettlement workshop, you do the career transition thing, and then you go with this idea of the next job I'm going to get outside of service is my next career. <laughs> and for the vast majority of people, it's, it's you're going to have about five or six other jobs within an 18 month period before you actually find your feet and go, this set, this suits me. And then you might only do that job for five years, yeah. four or five years. It's in the city street. You don't, you don't necessarily have another career. You have a vocation. You have a, you know, I, I work in the security industry. I work in, you know, the charity sector, but it's about being flexible to say, I can adapt. If this job comes to an end, which majority of them invariably do. And especially after COVID, those people that were doing their jobs previously might not be going back to the same job they were doing. What you do is you go, what's my skill set? What do I enjoy doing? 
you know, do I enjoy being sat behind a desk for eight, eight hours a day, five days a week? Nope. I'm an outdoors guy. I like to be, you know, I like to be client facing, I like to be talking to students. I like instructing and teaching and training. And I wrote all that down. And then when I went to LinkedIn, I literally wrote into LinkedIn my best job, what I'm good at, you know, X-Forces, great outdoors, resilient, the word resilience I put in there. I clicked, I can't believe, you won't believe this. And the first job that came up was resilience wing, REF, uh, survival instructor, outdoors, you know, training. And I was like, I'm having that job. I'm having it. And I, and I clicked, you know, I, I clicked apply. And, and, you know, seven months down the line, I've, I've got, you know, an amazing six months training with some brilliant people that are going to be the future sort of aviators for the military. You know, they're going to be flying the fast jets. They're going to be going around the world doing aid work. They're just going to be the next year. We're old now, mate. We're, we're the old school. You know, yeah. There's another generation that are after us. And this is what's great about the these The military have finally woken up to, instead of you leaving after 22 years, with all of that experience and then getting left on the scrappy, which a lot of people, a lot of veterans feel, you can still go back to the military in some other way, whether it be, like you, like you say, reserve service, um, you can go and do part-time, you know, go and do T, uh, what was the TA or the, the reserves now. Okay, there's um, the civil service jobs that they're, they're now re-rolling. So people can have their, have their civil life, have their quality life, bring their kids up, have, a, have their house that they part, that, that, you know, they've got a mortgage on and not living in a married quarter. Yeah. And they can also then give back to the military. And we're, we're, we're in sort of like a golden area where the, where the military finally clicked onto that. And they need that because otherwise you'll just end up with a load of young kids in and no experience to sort of, you know, guide them along, you know, because no, it's actually great. the military's, you know, the military's tiny now. It's, you know, it's small. And gone are the days of that big, you know, um, fudge, fudge of it. You know, I remember we used to have loads of old guys that were in and they, you know, they, they were like long in the tooth. A lot, a lot of them don't exist anymore. So, they, so, so you know, it's great. And I think yeah. it's brilliant. And we're in a perfect time to sort of give back. So for, for want of a better word, then, if I said the word snowflake um, and the, the new crop of recruits coming through, how, how does that sort of, how, how do you feel with that word snowflake? Well, it, yeah, well, it's a societal thing, you know, the, the military has to represent the society that it, it, it's a part of, and society has changed, and I, I, as we, before, the, before we start the podcast, I talked about my, my background as a, a young child, I was, you know, I, I was uh, 1970s kid, brought up in the early 80s, you know, out the back of a, 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 a massive recession, you know, we had still had sort of like echoes of the war, and eating, you know, stews, and you know, I had two sets of clothes. And suburban Manchester at the time was rough. You know, we had, you know, um, you know, the, the, we lived in a council house with no central heating. I remember my mum sitting with her feet in the oven to keep warm in the winter. You know, the weather just we've just been having. And as the years go on, and as society moves on and develops and becomes, you know, we become more. Uh, what's the word? Um, um, more encompassed, more welcoming, more more vocal, more um, inclusive, more caring about one another. What's what's generally happened is we've moved more into a place where people care. You know, they're they're, they're more fragile. It's really weird, but what we we end up now is with a society that is now actually more fragile. And this 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 resilience that is is um, we took for granted as kids 
isn't necessary there anymore. And it goes right back to childhood. You know, you look at you, you go back to your sort of childhood upbringing. What you've got now is I've got colleagues here in the office here that is, I mean, one of them is, is, is early 20s. But what, uh, I remember taking my students on the ground and asking them, how, how many of you have lit a fire, you know, made a fire? And none of them had, you know, the, apart from maybe a barbecue or being the lucky yeah. one to like the, 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 the coals on a barbecue. None of them have been in the great outdoors and made a fire. So it's like, crikey, we've actually got a whole society now that haven't got the basic skills. A really funny one, I remember I was in central London. Uh, I was on a play in Woolwich and I was, um, what was I doing? I was going over, I was on my mountain bike, driving around sort of um, uh, uh, Millennium Dome area. And there was this, the, the bridge, the, the uh, oh gosh, the, the tunnel, uh, Blackwell Tunnel. And there was a group of four lads stood around a car that was broke, that, that was broke down. And I looked at these four lads and they were all sort of like 21, 22 years of age, bit, you know, streetwise, gangstery looking guys. And I thought, oh, here we go. What's well, this bit dodgy? And I, and I looked at the car and it had a flat tyre. And I looked and I thought, what are they doing? I thought, are, they, are you going to change your tyre? Are you going to, you know, you're going to, or are you going to wait for breakdown? And it was like, oh my God, they're waiting for a breakdown recovery. It's like, nobody's probably taught them how to change tyre. Yeah. You know, and all these simple basic skills, it's like, so there's a whole thing missed with this, you know, okay, these kids can code. These kids can, you know, um, you know, operate high-tech machinery, but the basics, they, you know, they, they seem to have bypassed it. You know, the, those basic sort of elements that I, we take for granted. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, going on to that, I, I do think that should be part of the driving test, if I'm honest, with, um, with a flat tyre. You know, you, you now have to... You have to check the oil and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So that probably should be should be part of that. But yeah, like you say, um, society of today is um, it's very different to when we grew up. Um, it, uh, it's, it's, I think it's because as well, we've got, um, it, it, we've had it, everything's sort of on a plate. We've got this click, click button sort of society now. And again, with lockdown, one of the biggest things is, you know, I'll press a button and then the, yeah. the, the, the food order comes and arrives at your door. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I, honestly, it's great. And, 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 and COVID is, you know, has, has really opened the sort of like convenience of all that. Yeah, but, the, but what we're, what we're doing is we're, we're forgetting the basics. What would have happened in the past would have been, you would have learned new recipes. You'd have gone to yeah. the shops, you'd have, you know, uh, uh, budgeted because, you know, lots of people aren't doing that. But what we're doing is it's really weird. We sort of, we, we created a generation where it's, 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 it's like, the self-help thing is gone and, and people are asking that the first port of call, instead of looking at self-help, they ask for help. And actually, when it comes to re the resilience and, and looking after yourself, the first thing you need to do is, is the self-help, yeah. you know, figure out how you can fig figure, because it all comes down to you as an individual, you know, that resilience thing is about you. Yeah. And um, I remember when I, I lay in hospital after being injured in Iraq, uh, seriously injured in Iraq, and, uh, I'd, I'd lost my arm, my leg was facing the other way, and I, I was in Adambrook's Hospital in Cambridge, and I sat at the end of my bed looking in the mirror, and my face was all swollen out, my eyes were bloodshot red, and I looked down at my arm, my arm was missing, and I, and I, and I pinched myself at the face and said, you know, Kirk, you know, you were alive, and then at that moment, I thought, you know, the only person that's going to get me out of this is me, you know, the only person from this day that's going to get me through the next, you know, learning how to walk again, you know, getting back to my family, 
finding a new job. You know what? I can't be a you know close protection officer anymore. You know, I need to go and get my fitness back. You know, I need to recover. But and I looked there and I sat there and I thought, you know, the only person actually that's going to help me is me. You know, and I've got myself into this situation. I need to get myself out. And I find, yeah, well, I, I, but I find that what, one of the issues, especially we do have in the veterans world, and I was a victim of this, and I, and it's this victim of becoming, being the victim, you know, and I did it. So what ended up happening with me is uh, I joined Blesma, the Limbus Veterans, and I started to go away on trips with, with, Ble with Blesma, and it was amazing, I went to Colorado skiing, and, you know, I came back and I met loads and loads of guys and girls who had lost limbs, and Honestly, compared to them, I'm a scratch. You know, I'm just <laughs> mine a flesh wound. These guys with, you know, two legs missing, and I, and I sat there. And I, but what you what the what you do get is because it's on a plate and all the helps on a plate, it makes you weaker. Because what you end up doing is you end up, you know, you, you take that you take that help there. You get this thing. You know, you get this assistance there. You then also come across people that that haven't helped themselves. And they're in this sort of what's the word? They're in they're stuck in a um, what's the word? A limbo of you know this mental sort of the world owes me, woe is me. I can't. Get. I remember being at some amazing. I was I, we're at Wimbledon at the tennis, and it was you know people pay hundreds of pounds for tickets to Wimbledon. Beautiful yeah. sunny day. Djokovic is on the court, and I'm sitting there with a glass of pims in my hand. And I won't mention his name, but one of the guys in the charity who was sat next to me was sat there with a face like thunder, you know, dull, you know, big black cloud over his head. Yeah. And I said, hey, you know, I said, what, you know, are you not enjoying it? He said, oh, well, you know, and, and he just, and, and we, we went to a number of other events as well after that. And it was, it's just you, you know, you need to, it's you and your mindset. You're this, we could take you to some of the best places in the world, but it's not because the problem is it's within yourself. It's your perception of the world. You know, you feel somebody else. So, you know, you feel somebody, you know, needs to pay. You feel hard done by. But by continuing to take that forward in your life, the only person that that's affecting is you. Yeah. You know, the only person that is 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 going to cripple. You know, that with that mindset is yourself. And I did that. You know, I ended up becoming that person. I I went through a marriage breakdown. Uh, my I, I let you know my marriage started to crumble. I, I struggled for direction. I was, you know, I was holding a job down for six months, getting frustrated with it, quitting the job. Um, I then go to another job. I, I was chasing every work going, so my work-life balance wasn't 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 right. I was trying to find this new new me. You know, I'd, I'd recovered from a, a near-death injury. My I was now a limbless veteran. You know, loads of opportunities appeared, but what I did do is I sacrificed my family. Mm -hmm. So I ended up in a situation where I was homeless. I'd hit the bottle. I was drinking heavily. I was drinking very heavily every weekend. I'd go out and get absolutely pie-eyed, you know, and I would wake up. I was living at work on the rifle. I was, I was running a rifle range in Cambridge and I was living in the range office. I'd come back in absolutely, you know, blitzed, yeah. wake up in the morning, put the flags up, troops would come on the range, I'd go back to the office and I, and I'd, and I, and I would spend every penny of my money on alcohol just to go out and get drunk, just to go out and get drunk. And I didn't know what it was. I was just filling this void. Um, my mental health started to fail. My physical health started to fail. I started to get this big belly uh, and I could feel, feel it crumbling. And, and at the time I thought, you know, I'd, we'd been split up for six months. 
I thought, well, I have another go at this marriage. You know, I'll, I'll make make good. My ex lived in the house that was all bought and paid for. You know, I was supposed to live a happy life, a happy ever after. But actually, this is where the real demons kicked in. And we decided to go away on a family holiday together. And we went we went uh, to a caravan site in uh, down the south coast. And the ex and I are both ex-military, uh, and we both drank heavily uh, during the weekend. And we both fought like cat and dog. Mm. And I fell asleep on the sofa and I woke up in the morning and the caravan was empty, the wife had left, the children had gone. Uh, and, I, and this dread filled my body, you know, I've lost them, I've lost my family. And uh, I, I, I was probably still a bit over the limit. I jumped in the car, drove back up to Cambridge to the house, knocked on the doors and windows, nobody there. I then drove to work. Um, I'd left my wallet down, uh, my head was elsewhere. I'd left my wallet down on the South Coast, down in Bognor. Uh, I went to work to get my spare credit card to fill the car up with fuel. Uh, I used the last of my money in the car and, and I could feel that day, you know, with a hangover, I've been drinking for three days. My wife had gone with the children. Um, I was on fumes in the car. I then found myself on the M3 driving back to Bognor and I was running out of fuel and it was going dark and I could see the, 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 the engine, uh, sorry, the, the, the empty fuel light coming on the tank. And, and I could see that was my life ending. And I pulled up on, on a bridge uh, and I went and stood on top of this bridge uh, and I watched the cars going by underneath. And I, I thought, you know, that's nice time to go. Now it's time to jump over. And um, I, I went to step over the railings to go and jump onto the, the fast flowing traffic below. Uh, uh, and um, that's when the, the blue lights came and um, the cameras that were on the uh, junction saw that there was a, somebody up on the top and the police, I remember a police officer turning around saying, hey, you know, come and come, come down from there, you know, we'll help you. And they, mm. they took me down, they took me to the A&E department in uh, Croydon um, and um, I sat in A&E for a few hours until my sister came to pick me up, which was really really nice because we'd not seen each other for a couple of years and it was that point where it was I'd got to a point where everything every angle that I was going to go down was 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 just defeat you know I'd lost my family the job wasn't satisfying anymore every penny I was spending on alcohol um, I was homeless you know I'd, I'd come to have been there the only way is back up. I'd already been there once before when I'd stared in the mirror in that hospital. And that was actually me at the limit physically. That was me when I'd lay, was, when I was laid face down in the desert in Iraq, you know, uh, with my vehicle in pieces and my driver dead. And then waking up in hospital and pinching myself on the cheek. That was my physical limit. And I'd never really been there before in the military before, even though I'd been in a few sticky situations. But mentally, Five years later, that was me at my mental limit. I'd pulled myself apart to a point where, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was and I can understand when, when you hear these cries from veterans and you, you hear the call from Warriors RV, it's because you feel it slowly, slowly crumbling. Uh, and it, and it wasn't, it wasn't a quick journey. Don't get me wrong. This, this journey back to where I am now, this sort of rebirth or what have you is, is, it's 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 a long journey of and it's and it's a it's a, it, it's pulling it back to basics 
you know, get back to basics, get back to basic training, get back to, you know, that's that 16 year old at week one day one who's turned up at Litchfield train station with a rucksack on his back. <laughs> it's going back to learning how to wash and shave, you know, learning how to pay your bills, you know, get a job that's sustainable. You know, don't have to earn rock star wages. You don't have to earn 40, 50 grand a year where sustainability is going to be about 18 months and you'll burn out and end up on the pile. Get a job that's sustainable. Get a job that gives you quality of life, you know, and then you can start doing it. Look after the simple things. One thing that, that in the military we always had was, you know, it was if all else fails, you've got a roof over your head and you're going to get fed and watered. You can go on Hungry Soldier, pay as you dine, you know, <laughs> what the guys are on now. Unfortunately, one thing the military does does with that is once you leave, it, that, that, that safety net ain't there anymore, yeah. you know? As a civilian, if you if all else fails, you're going to end up homeless, you go, and you're going to end up in the wrong crowds, and you're going to end up dead in a ditch. And that's that's the hardship of real life. If you don't square yourself away, you will end up you'll end up dead, and you won't end up dead by an enemy bullet or or, or anything like that. You'll end up dead from drug abuse, alcohol addiction, you know, homelessness and death. And really weirdly, and it, this and this is going to be I'm going to be quite cruel about this. People will let you do it. Do you get one? Do you get, get one about yeah. me? Yeah. Fully People will let allow. I I went. I was going down this slippery slope, and I thought, you know, all oh, my family will stop me. My wife will stop me. My my mum will stop me. No, they won't. They won't because what happens is that they they'll give you the advice, but it'll all fall on deaf ears because your ears will close, and the only person that can stop you going down that route is yourself. No matter how many counsellors you go to, you know, no matter how, if you're going down that road, it's that's it's you in your your own mind that that can that can stop you. You know, that's it's you. And I, I always say, to, you know, I say to friends, you know, to sit down and look in the mirror, sit and look in the mirror. And and the only person, you know, the, the only I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's what I love about this podcast that we're doing now. And um, it is, is, is the, the old treat yourself as the most important person. Sounds quite selfish to do, but one of the things that us, us ex-military guys and girls don't do is put ourselves first, you know? And we're always about the team and we're always about everybody else and we always sacrifice for everybody else. Yeah. But actually, you've got to put yourself... Because in order to be able to look after other people, you've got to look after yourself. You know, look, look after number one so you can look after everybody else. But for, for those people that have served for... Well, probably so for, for any amount of time that you know it's drilled into them that your your horse comes first your vehicle comes first your, your team come first uniform kit everything else comes first how, how do you instill that into somebody to to switch it around completely and say look 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 in the mirror and think about yourself well uh, yeah well it's it it's about it's about what is what is the horse what is the what is the weapon what is that as, as a civilian what is your what is your equipment now okay now your equipment is your basic core unit of you and your family you know you, you need to put a roof over your head you need to put food in your belly you need to put you need to pay for your, your electricity bills you know you need to pay your council tax you don't get to i don't know i'm at 16 i don't even know what council tax was <laughs> you know, and when you come to leave at the other end, it's like, right, I've now got to pay all these bills and I've now got to what? Put the, put the bins out and I've got to do all that. They're now your weapons. You know, if you if you play your cards right, 
as a, as a, as an ex 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 military, you can go into society and absolutely wipe the floor with your competition, because we've actually been trained to perform to to completely different levels that your average civilian is expected. You know, we do long hours. We're expected to do you know, seventy to hundred hour weeks. We work on minimal sleep. But what's what what the military did do was they fed and watered you. They kept you away from alcohol, especially when you're on operations. And actually, it was quite a quite a, what's the word? You you were kept fit. You know, physical fitness. Yeah. I can't believe it. I speak to some of my mates, and they're like, "Hey, you know, Kirk, I feel I feel really down today. You know, I feel you know this this week I feel depression." I say, "When was the last time you went for a run?" When was the last time you did a workout? Yeah. And they go, oh, well, you know, I don't do... It's like, mate, you were forced every day or every other day to go for a run. And you probably hated it. But what it did do, it was smash your body with them endorphins. And it got your metabolism going. And it just got, set you up for the day. And it gave you so much more energy, you know. And, it, and, it, and all those things that you achieved in your military service was an indirect result of that fitness you did every day, you know you then become more robust. You then become more, more resistant to illnesses. You know, you, you, and, and we, we've got it. You know, I look, I look at guys who are, and girls who are veterans and, you know, why did we forget to do fitness? You know, you go out, you don't have to go and do, you know, an eight mile speed march in the pouring rain, you know, go to the, you know, go to a gym or go and do a workout class in, in the YouTube video. Loads of free, great workout classes there, but do something because, if you just go go and work and work and work and work and work, that's when you sit and put the weight on. That's when it starts to slip, you know. And it's it's just keeping these right down. Right here's my structure. What do I need? What do I need every day? Food in my belly. I need I need I need a roof over my head. I need heating. I need clean clothes. I'm being the section commander against my recruits, you know. But no one tells you this, yeah. Do they? When you come to leave after service. Nobody tells you these basics. They teach you how to write a CV. They teach you how to go and apply for a, a job in the security industry or go and be a plumber and electrician. Well, that's great because we all want to go out and do that. But actually, so many veterans have got so much more to give in all different walks of life. You know, and, and do, we, do we do a misservice to ourselves by letting military personnel leave the military under-equipped, I think there's still a long way, we've got a long way to go. And I think this equipping our, our veterans for resettling back into civil society needs to happen from the day they enter, the day they join. And it's, it is going that way. It you is, know, it is changing, the, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the training we receive now has, you know, civilian recognised qualifications, you know. Yeah. And I look, 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 up, I look up off my CV and go, you know, how do I, how do I make that, you know, sort of, represent my experience in Civvy Street. And I see so many veterans, so many mates underselling themselves, so many, so many friends doing jobs, you know, that they're much far better than, but yeah. they're too scared to go, I'm gonna go and find another job. I'm gonna and sell myself. God, man, you, you know, civvies, civvies are great at selling themselves, you know, they're great at selling themselves. And we really underplay ourselves as veterans. We have this like humble, oh, I won't, I won't oversell myself because my mates will take the mickey out of me. You need to realise we're, we're blimmin', we've done stuff, you know, we've done stuff in the world, you know? Yeah. But then is, is there not an element of the fear of failure? Uh, well, you've got to fail to win. You've got to fail to win, haven't you? You've got to learn by your mistakes. You know, go for that job interview. 
you see that job that you don't feel you're qualified for, but you've got the experience for, go and apply for it. If you go on that job interview and you you uh, you know they you you don't hit the mark and you don't get the job, that isn't failure. Because you've gone through an interview, you got to the interview, you got to speak to somebody, you got to learn your interview skills. You know, yeah. The, this true. whole you know, I, I see a lot of people in the military that are happy in the job they do, and their job has got a left and right boundary. And the moment you put them outside of that boundary, they crumble. All right, they they, they go, oh well, that's not my job description. I can't do anything outside of that. They're the people that are slowly, slowly closing in and becoming people that um, are less resilient. You know, yeah. I, th I think one of the, one of the, one of the, one of the good things that we'll get out of the COVID crisis is if people do have to change their vocations, change their careers, you quite refreshingly, they might move into jobs and careers that are actually better for them. And they yeah. might end up leaving them jobs. You know, they, we might have friends out there that have got businesses that have been struggling for years and they're just about making ends meet and they're living treacherous lives where they're doing 90, 100 hour weeks just to try and make it meet. And, and you know, that. That the COVID crisis has tipped them into, you know, the business failing. But what that has done is they're, 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 they're hopefully going to, in the next 18 months, two years, rebuild something different and learn by the mistakes that they've made. And it's freed them up, so to speak, to start afresh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Certainly. Well, let's, let's hope so, because uh, we've got to have something good come out of this. I think so. I think I think there's, an, there's definitely optimism, mate. There's an optimism. And at the end of the day, the way I look at it is, you know, what else, what else can happen? You know, if you lose, whatever you lose, you lose. As long as you've got your health, as long as you've got your family, as long as you've got your loved ones, as long as you can put a roof over your heads, and as long as you can feed yourselves, sometimes stripping back to basics can be a good thing. Oh, and rebuild the rebuild can happen, you know, it can happen. Uh, life throws these things up at us, you know, it, it does throw things at us. We've had, like I said at the start of the podcast, we've had 30 years, 40 years of, of you know, opulence, of comfort, of growth and, and generation. We've had a, we, what we called a recession, you know, in the last five years, it wasn't a recession, you know, there was a little, a little bit of austerity, but you know, real recessions are where you know you've got you know, queues down the road. We've not seen that for 40, 50 years, you know. Yeah. And, you know, the, our older we can learn lots from our older, the older generations. We can learn a hell of a lot from them. And you look, at, look to them to what they're doing and they're, they're, they're kind of cracking on. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're happy with it, you know. They're cracking yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree. <laughs> right, we, um, we need to start, start uh, wrapping up because we've been on yeah, for, for quite a while. For a, a 20 I do, I do waffle, mate. Don't get me wrong, I do waffle. I think you just had 20 minutes of me on permanent send, haven't you? That's what it's all about, mate. That's what it's all about. Anything to get away from my monotone Brummy accent is uh, is a bonus for people listening. So um, it's good presenter accent. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. A, a, Midland, a good Midland accent's a good presenter accent because everyone can sort of relate to it, can't they? Oh, I'll yeah. take that then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've, I've got a, a few questions um, that I'd like a. A bit of a quick fire answer. Um, Go for it. Netflix recommendations. Oh, right. Okay. What's on at the moment? So I've just been working on Bridgerton. Um, right. So if you want sort of like a Downton Abbey-esque sort of period drama with loads of raunch and, and big opulent stately homes, uh, Bridgerton's the one that I recommend. Uh, I, I did work on it. 
And it's an ongoing series. So if you want to get into that box set that continues and continues and rolls on and on, I think we're in for a good a good ride on that one. Uh, mm. so that that is that is my is my one of the moment. There's a great um, what's the one that I, I I I was working on last year. Um, there's a sci-fi one coming out. I don't know the name of it, but if you want to get into like sort of like that um, uh, Bandersnatch type thing, there's another one of those coming out soon. Um, it's a working title at the moment, but I'll let you know about that. Awesome. But uh, yeah, hey, hasn't Netflix got us through the worst of it, huh? It's brilliant, you know, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what motivates you? Um, what's motivating? Do you know what? It's not money. It, used, it was money when I got out. Um, it's, it's, it's about helping other people now. So at the moment in my, my day, although I'm teaching survival at the moment, the key thing for me is teaching these young, young air crews resilience. And one of the things that we do teach in our course is um, psychology of survival. And we sit down on, the, on a Thursday evening, the fire's going, we're in the woods. I tell them my story and there's a few tears and there's, there's real grit. And it's, it's telling them that they can get through the worst of it, you know, and that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, that's mate. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm very jealous of your job. I think it's from the the better the better jobs anybody could get. Um, who inspires you? <laughs> oh, right, inspirations. Um, oh, who we got then that, that inspires me? Uh, sorry, mate. Gonna go again. That's right. I'll, I'll stick oh, it on pause, sorry. mate. We pause it. Yeah. Just a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. Um, who inspires you? Oh, right. So, I uh, people that inspire me are people that have done things, so real things in the world. So, people that have made changes in the world. So, I've got um, who? Uh, God, yeah. Levison Woods. Do you know Levison Wood? Uh, yeah, yeah. The explorer, ex-para. So yeah. I met him at uh, BAFTA and he's out there sort of, um, you know, exploring the world and telling us all what's going on there. And he's, you know, he's really highlighted at the moment about wildlife and the, the sort of the struggles that wildlife is happening. In, 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 in there. And I can see him really going places. And, oh, and, and, and they're people that inspire me, people that have left the forces and have gone on with their skills and ability to go and do, you know, amazing things that, you know, communicates the world, yeah. you know, what's, it, what's going on. Funny you say that because um, he would be my answer to that same question. He's yeah, uh, right, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible human being and uh, one that, yeah. that I think a lot of us should aspire to be more like. Um, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not that these. Do you know, it's, again, the people, the role models in society. We need to really adjust them. I think if we put we put a lot of these celebrities, these these celebrities that what are they? What are they? What are they made up of? And a lot yeah. of it's just white noise and hot air. And, 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 and it's like, people don't need that. There's enough of that in the world. People need real visceral, you know, purpose. Yeah. You know, that's what people need to see. Because actually when, when times are tough, the, the, people see straight through that veneer. And, and it's like, we, we need people that really lead, you know, in society. And I think they're there. They're there. They just need bringing to the fore. Okay. So I think I may know the answer to, a, to this question then, but um, you sat around a campfire with three other people, who are they? Oh, right, three other people. My, one of them maybe my father. Um, he he um, he died when I was three, 
and uh, there was a big void and, and I try and be the best dad I can now to my son because I didn't have a father figure. Um, the other one would be Terry Webster, who is an ex-soldier and a colleague of mine um, who died in Afghanistan. Um, Harvey Holmes would be the other guy. Um, again, another another veteran that, that died, a sniper, very good sniper. And the last one would be my grandfather. So it'd be a bit of a lad's bit of a lads get together and my grandfather was my sort of role model in life ex-navy veteran um very hard worker very humble man um so yeah it just be a, a bit of a generational get together and some old colleagues that i'd never get a chance to speak to again yeah yeah there probably might be a bottle of whiskey involved i don't know <laughs> probably two <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah it'd be, it'd be a good night yeah yeah oh brilliant if anybody wants to follow you on social media do you, do you do any of that yeah, so I'm on. Uh, I'm on um, uh, Instagram's my best one, and I am a uh, uh, single-handed survivor. Uh, so I'm on there. So I'm on there. Yeah. So I'm also on LinkedIn uh, and Twitter as well. So cool. yeah. So it's single-handed survivor. Uh, I'm the only guy on there that's got the one I'm missing. I'm a an, an survivor instructor. So yeah, I love that. It's, love it's that handle. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It, it seems like it's been well, it has been years. And you, Ash. Yeah, it's been a great morning. Hopefully, we'll catch up together in person in the next in the near future. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Have a great day. Yes, right. Thanks very Thanks, much, everyone. Bye bye. You've been listening to Ash Winter and Prince. Feel free to get in touch via Instagram at ash.adventure or Twitter at ash underscore adventure. Thanks very much for supporting my podcast.